Hey friend, are you swamped with scheduling, bogged down by bookings, or overwhelmed with managing your social media? This message is for you. I would love to introduce you to my secret weapon, StyleSmart VA. This is a company of virtual assistants literally designed by hairstylists for hairstylists. I found them through an interview right here on the podcast, and then shortly after found myself booking a discovery call because I was drowning in administrative tasks and needed help. It's been a few months now, and I can't tell you how much my VA has changed my life. No joke, friends. I am such a believer in StyleSmart VA that I decided to bring them in as an episode sponsor here on the show. Listen, as creatives, our focus should be on the clients and our craft. And now that I have my virtual assistant, I can devote more of my time to exactly that. The beauty of hiring a VA through StyleSmart is that they come to you already trained and able to seamlessly step into your business. From managing appointments and client communications to handling your social media presence, StyleSmart virtual assistants free you up to concentrate on your clients. And that's a change your clients will notice and appreciate. I mean, can we say elevating your perceived value? So when you're ready to level up in your business and take some weight off your shoulders, head on over to StyleSmartVA.com and book a free discovery call today. You'll also find the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. StyleSmart VA, empowering beauty professionals to focus on what they do best. Welcome back here, friends. I'm happy to have you back for another episode of the Your Hair Mentor podcast. And this week's episode, I've got a great interview for you with someone I found online called Psychologically Safe Steph. It's kind of a mouthful, right? Um, So I've always joked around as a hairstylist, and you may have seen some um, posts that I've done on Instagram about this, but I've always said that my chair is a safe space, right? And I don't even really need to say that. Most people just kind of understand that um, it's generally a non-judgy space to come and just be yourself. And a lot of people kind of treat their hairstylists like their therapists, right? So then there's the joke about the the therapist, right? So we are cheaper than a therapist, although that's changing, um, but just as able to be a good listening ear and a quote-unquote safe space for you to kind of be whoever you need to be and say what you need to say. And sometimes we hear some stuff. I, I've had clients confide in me that they're cheating on their husbands. And sometimes that's with a woman and, you know, the list goes on. Um, and so this conversation that I had with Steph is kind of about that. Um, but it's not just the relationship between clients and hairstylists where she's talking about it being a safe space, she introduces an idea of the salon being a safe space for hairstylists. And although this seemed kind of foreign to me, and I have to admit, kind of triggery for me because I tend to eye roll at the idea of like safe spaces in general and like safetyism. Um, I generally just kind of find the whole idea just kind of repulsive, but she kind of changed my mind on this, to be honest. And I think I just kind of came in from like a judgmental point of view about what 
safe spaces are, um, just because of what's been portrayed in the media. And, um, ultimately I, I, I really like what she has to say. So I, I feel like this is a great conversation that you're going to enjoy. Maybe you're coming into this with the same feelings about safe spaces that I do, and maybe you'll walk away feeling the same way I feel now. So, um, anyway, she's got a lot to offer. It's great. I feel like we have a great conversation and I bet you'll enjoy it. So let's just get on to it here. Yeah. Awesome. What did you just do? What podcast were you just on right now? Uh, it's actually somebody from Nova Scotia, Canada, and she has a confidence podcast. Mm, that's fun. Yeah. Nice. It was very fun. What's it, it. what's it called? I might look it up. Selfish confidence. Oh, selfish mm-hmm. confidence. Cool. She's pretty cute. Actually. I gotta say she's, she's, uh, doing, she's doing some pretty big things coming up. So awesome. So it's a podcast just all about confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. We met through mutual friends. Okay. Fun. So tell me a little bit about yourself and like where you're from, who you are, what you doing. So my name is Stephanie and I am from Newfoundland, Canada. It is the most easternly point of North America that you can get. I'm at like the very edge of Canada. Okay. Yeah, I grew up here, born and raised, and I have been a hairstylist. That's my career for 18 plus years. I work with a global hair care brand. I've been facilitating for them for most of that time. So yeah, I've been a beauty professional for a while. I've been a human my whole life. (laughs) That I know for sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not sure where else, uh, what else you'd like to know about me, but I'm pretty open book. Okay, what uh, beauty brand did you work for or do you work for? Redken. Okay, that was uh, the beauty school that I went to uh, when I was 18 years old was a Redken Beauty College also. And I've come full circle with them. I left beauty school being like, ugh, I'm not going to use Redken. I'm going to go use something else fancy. And now like Shades EQ is my go-to. It's it's kind of had like a rebirth though, I feel like, and they realized that they got something really cool and I, their marketing's great and freaking love them. I mean, who doesn't love Shades EQ? I know, it's like a gateway drug. <laughs> yeah, it totally is. And like, I've tried, I've tried like every other type of demi, semi gloss like that and they're just not, they're not the same. It's not, not shades. So I'm back on the shades bandwagon again. Well, Crystal, you're preaching to the choir here. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so do you have uh, family, pets? I do. Well, I'm married. I don't have any children, but I do have a dog. I have a 200-pound English Mastiff. Yeah, so I feel like uh, I'm that person who's like the Crocodile Dundee. So for whoever the listeners, it's probably not the audience. But if you can (laughs) remember, back in the 80s, there was this movie where Crocodile Dundee had the biggest knife. I feel like uh, I'm that with the biggest dog. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, and he drags me around all the time. He's my baby. He's he's basically my life. Oh, that's awesome. I have two dogs also. I have two children also, but I've always been a dog person. And my, my fur babies are definitely part of our life. Um, okay, so you work behind the chair now still? Um, I, okay. And what else are you up to? Because your name would suggest that you're doing something else. Yes. So I work behind the chair two days a week. And then I, during the pandemic, I followed my dream of becoming a coach. 
And what I specifically started doing was coaching basically salon owners, salon leaders, because with Redkin, I've been, you know, I've been doing that with the hands-on portion of hair for 18 years, you know, coloring mostly in curly hair. But my true love was in personal development because I had great coaches. I like to say Redkin is almost like the Mary Kay of, you know, like just the world. It's so motivational. They are so, um, yeah, just uplifting. They love personal development within the brand, which is why I aligned with them. But eventually, to be honest with you, I lost a little joy in the hands-on teaching of the hair. And so I wanted to move into coaching and the pandemic gave me the perfect time to finish up my certifications. And while I was really observing what was happening in the industry, I was noticing that people were having a bit of an exodus from salons and going more private. I mean, I'm one of them, right? I went into a suite. And so, yeah, and it started in the US, but it kind of floated up through, um, here in Newfoundland actually was probably one of the first places in Canada where salon suites became a big thing. And now it's moved all across Canada as well. But we, in that, I, I have so many salon owner friends. I believe in um, working in a group dynamic. I just, I know the facts say that teams outperform individuals every mm-hmm. time. And so I wanted to see how can I help salons to mostly keep their staff was the first thing that I did. And so I, in the research and knowing that soft skills mean so much more than the hard skills of like doing cuts, colors, everything, I came across psychological safety. So my handle on Instagram, which is where you found me, was psychologically safe Steph. And so how I came to that journey was, yeah, in in the whole investigating, psychological safety kept coming up. And uh, when it came to leadership and really creating strong teams and culture. And honestly, Crystal, the first time I did a training in psychological safety, I was like, oh my God, like this is so stuffy. I mean, some of the concepts are, are wonderful, but I was in a training with all these healthcare professionals and HR people and they weren't creatives, right? Okay. And it, it was, yeah, it, it was just really like, Oh, robotic, like we must do this, follow this path. And, you know, and I just, (laughs) I knew that there was something to it because um, Google, for instance, they had a two year research project called the Aristotle project that they looked at what teams were outperforming within their organization. And, you know, we've heard so many great things about Google and them being a great workplace, right? right? They're known for that. And in the whole study in the end the number one contributing factor to their success in some of the the teams that were the highest performing was psychological safety and so you know I couldn't ignore that fact and I just realized I had to put my own spin on it right Mm -hmm. because I um, I'm a certified uh, coach I am trained in NLP I am um, certified in mindfulness and I'm also a Reiki practitioner so you know I, I love science and I love um the whole spirituality side of everything and I love energetics and I love talking about emotions and um yeah I'm, I'm trauma informed and just like all of the passions that I have around mental health because I also have a, a diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder and what I know now social anxiety and all of these things that and you know all the labels of most of us being in here like empath and highly sensitive and all yeah. of that Um, so I realized that that all were elements of psychological safety, 
It's just that most of the time it was created for such corporate environments that weren't necessarily so touchy feely Yes, that they didn't go down the route. So I have created a program, Psychologically Safe Service, in which I help salon owners and teams and individuals to become psychologically safe and to be psychologically safe for the team, for themselves and for the guests so that um, they can be basically showing up as their best selves with the most connection that they can have in the safest way possible. And um, ultimately, psychological safety is the reduction of fear and the promotion of well-being. It's two, those two aspects. And so when I realized that, because I did um, a six-week university program, because after I, I got over the fact that it was so stuffy and said I can yeah. make it my own, I was like, okay, well, I'll go get like, you know, a certification so I can really do this. Um, and I was like, Oh my God, I love it. I love it. And so, yeah, I just, I do it more touchy feely Mm -hmm. than, um, most corporate people would do because I, we work in a touchy feely industry. So I go there with it and, uh, yeah, I've really created something that I'm super proud of, but beyond that, it's a message that needs to be everywhere. It needs to be in schools. It needs to be with parents, you know, psychological safety is something we all, love to have. Right. And it's something if we strived for, it could really change this world. It could create a huge impact. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I find that really fascinating because like, um, you think of other service-based industries that maybe, you know, these protocols were made for and they don't get the same level of, like you said, touchy feely emotional connections that we get, you know what I mean? Like people don't go to their doctor and say, oh my gosh, I'm cheating on my husband. What do you think about that? Or, you know, whatever, like they don't unload the way that we get unloaded on. And we're, we're very unique in a lot of ways in our industry because yes, we're like creatives, but we're also businesses. And so we're like this kind of like in the middle limbo kind of thing where it's like, it's art, but it's business. And so I, I, I find that really cool that you're kind of walking that line. You know, um, I've always joked around as I've seen, I'm sure you've seen people post about, you know, we're therapists, right? Um, we have to be that like sounding board for our clients and that shoulder for our clients. And there's no training in that in beauty college state board doesn't give a hoot. If you can help someone through a hard time, they just want to know that you're safe and sanitary. So it's not included usually, but it's probably one of the most important parts of our job. Like you said, like the, the soft skills are what's going to make or break someone being truly successful in our industry. And like I coach to communication and like trust building with your clients, which is great. But it sounds like what you're doing is like teaching the provider how to how to do that without like taking on other people's shit. Is that is that what you're kind of getting at? There are three lenses in which I look through or I I show us how to look through. So there's the lens of leader and team. So team lens. They're not separate, but you know, that lens. Mm-hmm. And then there's the lens of what does psychological safety mean to the person as in being secure within oneself and what that does uh, to help us to feel safe moment to moment. Mm-hmm. And then also the lens of service provider to guest. So what does it mm-hmm. mean to provide safe services to our guests? Because as you said, like it's, it's a beautiful thing to commute, to know how to communicate with our guests. And then it's taking it 
to uh, a little bit, not next level, because communication with guests is a beautiful thing, but taking, I guess, looking through another lens and seeing how also can I create this service so that it is the safest way possible so that we reduce fear for our guests and we promote their well-being. So mm. we're going beyond just taking care of their hair or their skin for estheticians, or I've even started working with massage therapists, um, anybody basically who touches people, because yes. it's kind of the same thing. You're in the energy. It's funny, Psychology Today um, has an article about this as well on why hairstylists are essentially therapists. Uh-huh. And it's that uh, you can look it up. It's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool thing, but the ability to touch people that whole aspect, but also, um, you know, unlike when you're in a therapist's office, there's this more congeniality. There's a little different energy, right? Somebody's not looking down at you on, you know, through their glasses on a piece of paper, writing down everything, almost like a professional looking at down on you almost, or, or looking at you like you are a problem to be fixed or whatever, however we view a therapist to be, even though Mm -hmm. I am a huge advocate for therapy, psychologically safe services, not turning anybody into therapists. Mm -hmm. It is not about that, but it's about if we're going to be in the position where people are going to share stuff with us anyway, then how do we hold ourselves so that we are not falling victim to compassion fatigue, which is also known as secondary trauma. That's what Mm. they call it. It's sharing the trauma of someone else. So how do we navigate difficult conversations behind the chair? So that's another aspect of the psychologically safe service program. Wow. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So um, I want you to unpack for me a little bit more the the first tier that you mentioned with like the the team. Like, so I guess I, yeah, I'm confused with the, the team aspect of it. How does that work? <laughs> so actually psychologically, psychological safety in itself was coined first four teams. Right. And it was essentially created or or not created, but uh, acknowledged by um, a psychologist who saw that there were some teams who, when they had less fear, they were able to take more risks. Now, this Mm -hmm. is really important, Crystal, because what we don't recognize as a society as much, or at least I never before, was what fear does to us. And so fear reduces our intelligence It reduces our ability to create, to be creative, to have better problem solving skills. It it also reduces our ability to make good decisions. And so when you have high levels of fear in your organization, Mm -hmm. then you also have less productivity. You have um, more higher turnover. You have people who are less able to work at their highest selves or do their best jobs. And so, and oftentimes we, we use the, we throw the word anxiety around in our society so often, but we don't necessarily link anxiety to being afraid. Right. Right. But they are one and the same. They are Mm -hmm. the same thing. And so when we can have an environment and it's really important with creatives, it's, it's so important for creativity to feel safe. And so if you want your salon to thrive, then that's why the team aspect is so important and why psychological safety is so important for salons because we want each service provider to feel like they are in an environment in which they can feel safe enough to be fully themselves, to express themselves, to take risks, Mm 
mm-hmm. to put together what they're learning. I mean, I find so many salon owners, they'll, they'll spend a lot of time and money educating their beauty professionals on how to do cuts, colors, um, all these things, but they, a lot of them don't apply it because they're afraid to look silly or stupid, or they're afraid to push themselves or, um, and and a lot of times it just so happens that creating a new habit is hard when you have no space in your day to do it. So there's many reasons, but what if the environment was conducive to really putting forth that education that you invest in really making sure that that makes it to, um, the guest in the end and how do you do that? So, you know, that piece, although, there's so many pieces that I share in a two day program that really I can make it two months, <laughs> but yeah. I share little pieces of this and I've got something cool coming later anyway. And, in, in um, this year that will go very deep, but uh-huh. for now, the two day program touches on all of these things. And so are some of the fears that, um, could exist in a salon atmosphere? Are you talking about like as a stylist who's worked in large salons, I can think of some of the fears that I've had in the past. And maybe the fear is, uh, is my salon going to shut down or like, how are we financially stable? Am I going to hit my numbers in commission? Are, I mean, are those some of the fears that we're talking about? So like creating a, um, is it a more of a transparent working environment? Uh, yeah. Unpack that for me a little bit. <laughs> okay. So you're asking amazing questions, by the way. Yes, that is a huge piece. So when we look at the tiers, open communication within the team aspect through that lens, open communication is the number one skill uh, and habit that you want to create. And yes, it does have to do with that. So it's, it's knowing where do I stand, you know, as an individual, as a service provider in this company, where do I stand? And what is my future in this company? to your point, you know, mm-hmm. is, is this, how is this company doing? And yeah. a lot of times service or salon owners don't, don't share that information. No, I, as a service provider have maybe no clue how my salon is doing in profit wise, which makes a difference to me in the end, to your point, because it's like, should I even make myself comfortable in this place? Yeah. Should I yeah. even unpack my stuff? Like, or am I going to be moving out of here in a month's time because it might be shut down? Um, so that those pieces, uh, really open communication on what's going And then that way, the service provider also gets to feel like they're a part of it. If you have open communication and you share your numbers, you don't have to share your take-home pay. It's not about that. But you share percentages and goals and and what needs to happen when you're having regular meetings, which is a a piece that we communicate in in the program. You, You then have this trust factor that happens between you and the service provider. And it gives them this feeling of empowerment that, oh, oh, I actually have a role to play in this. So you're telling me that my what I do behind the chair is valued enough and valuable enough that this organization can thrive with my help? Amazing. So that is a huge piece. But other than that, also just the fear of w- what it means to work behind the chair and to say, um, try new things with guests, to... Uh, just be vulnerable with skills, be vulnerable to ask for help. I'm not worried about, I know I had uh, a major experience behind the chair and it happened more than once, but one in particular, I remember Crystal, I was standing outside my staff room door and I had, um, (laughs) I'd gone to a program. So at this time, I 
to the listener. I'm about to share with you uh, a trigger warning. No, it's not. It's not like that. But I had already been a Redken artist for four years at this time. And I will say that I was also a very insecure individual. And so for me, one of the reasons why I got into education is because it made me feel powerful, right? It made me feel like I was contributing valuable. It gave me an outward sense of self-esteem. And I say outward because it still wasn't inward, right? Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So I was getting validation from it. So, you know, I might've, I mean, I'm not an overly, I'm certainly a very kind person, but there probably were a lot of ways in which I use that to feel better and therefore feel better than some of my staff members. Cause I'm Stephanie Russell, the Redken artist, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that probably didn't help some of the relationships at my salon. Again, I'm not saying I was mean about it, but people get a vibe, right? Yeah. Like get a vibe. And we're all very, we're highly sensitive people. And we can, I think we can get the gist of things in our industry. Oh yeah. Um, so to say that I did a real big mess up. So I learned a new cutting technique from one of my mentors, Samvia. And when I cut this one young lady's hair, um, she had beautiful long blonde hair and I uh, did a disconnected haircut in the back, which essentially meant I lifted it up, layered it, never checked to see how much density would be left in the perimeter. And what did I create? But um, a very uh, wispy ends where I took out all the way from the middle of her hair. And let's just say, if you're not in the hair world and you happen to be listening to this, it was a state. But not only that, Crystal, <laughs> I decided not to finish the haircut. Okay. So I, I didn't finish the haircut because I got too scared. I paralyzed. And so she ended up with this big hole, essentially, in the back of her head, hair or cut. And she ended up with one side longer than the other because I just kind of gave up. I, I was discouraged. And so the next day, oh, and by the way, this young girl, I've never met anybody who's been able to trump this story. This young girl went to the same hair school as me. So now Stephanie Russell, Redken artist, going to the hair school that I went to, she was in hair school. Um, and now that they, in order to keep her from being upset, they had to give her extensions, but they also gave her a job as an assistant at the salon. So I had to work <laughs> with her day in and day out because of it. So, oh. so beyond all that, but right after that happened, and I get it, I, I did create this piece of gossip for the right. salon. And again, because I've been this huge, like, uh, advocating for my, I'm so great because I'm a Redken artist, probably made people be almost like, oh, look what the Redken artist did. Anyway, so I was standing outside the salon door and uh, I heard my fellow staff members talking about me behind Mm -hmm. the door. They didn't know I was there. It was on top of already feeling shame for what I did. It was probably one of the worst moments of my career was already knowing then that my shame was real, right? That there was reason to feel embarrassed because people were talking about it. And although I had some staff members who they helped me um, then to relearn how to cut hair. Now I didn't need to relearn how to cut hair. I made one mistake. It just happened to be a really big one, but I, you're damn sure that I made sure that I knew how to cut hair after that point. And I made sure that everybody knew that I could cut hair. So I cut mannequin hairs, went to Vidal Sassoon, all that. Um, and I had many people help me, but that moment of most people, I think, or a lot of people would quit. Right. It, it was, it was, a, I, and I was really close to quitting and, and I don't want that experience I hope to goodness nobody else has that experience, but I didn't want that experience for not one other person after that. Mm -hmm. And so when I started looking into psychological safety, to be honest with you, that moment in time 
and that feeling like knowing that people were gossiping about me and that there were the majority of the staff didn't have my back. There were a few, don't get me wrong. That's why I stayed, mm-hmm. but the majority didn't. That right there is what I know can happen in any workplace. But when you're working with highly sensitive people, which a lot, I think a lot of beauty professionals have admitted to me that they feel like they are, it it escalates things, mm-hmm. right? And we take our art, a lot of times artists will, um, their art is them, you know, we we feel like an attachment to it that's not necessarily the same as when we're working with numbers and it's black and white, you know? And mm-hmm. so self-esteem and self-image plays a lot into our work and it's hard to separate the two. Oh, and so- yes. Yeah. And so that's, that's really where my motivation comes to helping people to feel more safe and secure in themselves and what they do and to take risks, um, safe risks, safe risk-taking is what Mm -hmm. I hope with. So yeah, Mm -hmm. there, as you can tell, there's a lot of layers to this onion of psychological safety. in Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of what you say, it, it's kind of a similar message to what I've been trying to portray also. And I, I just haven't used the same words, but like the feelings that you're talking about are the same feelings that I, I am talking about in my coaching too. And it's like, it's hard to disconnect yourself from your art. I mean, how many of us have laid in bed at night thinking about some piece of our service that you're like, God, that that one foil, I just I don't know why it didn't blend better. And like, is my client like thinking about it because I'm stressing about it? Like, do I call them and have them come back? It, it like bothers us, right? Because we're so emotionally tied to that because we know that our clients are emotionally tied to how they look, right? Um, and it's I don't have the tools or the, the tricks to coach people to disconnect from that. Um, maybe that's not the the key. Maybe disconnecting isn't the key, but I've always kind of thought that it should be. I don't know how you feel about that, but um, it, very, very interesting stuff here. And I, I have to tell you, the, the word safety or like safe spaces to me um, in the last couple of years has kind of made me be like, Bleh. like, <laughs> it, and it's only because like, I, I I don't know why, what, for whatever reason, I'm kind of like eye rolly at the idea of like, this needs to be a safe space. Cause I'm like, this is life people and nothing, no one's guaranteed safety. That's kind of my thinking with this, but hearing you talk about this, I'm like, no, I want that. I, you know what I mean? Like that sounds good. And I want everyone to feel that way. And so that was one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to talk to you because, because I feel triggered by the word safe spaces, you know, to be like, suck it up buttercup kind of thing. But I don't even remember what your comment was on um, that other educators post that caught my eye, but I was like, Hmm, that's kind of interesting. Maybe it's because I feel like when people are talking about safe spaces, usually it's not something I can connect with right? It's not something that I've really felt resonated with me yet. And what you're saying resonates with me a hundred percent. And then I'm like, oh shit, this is the same stuff I'm talking about. And I didn't even know it. Like what? 
know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like everything you just said, I'm like nodding, like, yes, yes. I feel that I've had experiences like that. Not quite the same as yours, but like similar to where, you know, I've had someone walk out of the salon and I'm like, oh my God, are all my coworkers looking at her hair right now and being like, oh no, what did Crystal just do? I cannot believe she just did that. And they might not have been, but you know what I mean? I felt that super interesting. Yeah. So it's about, you know, the team aspect is about encouraging shares like that. It's about encouraging that level of um, connection and vulnerability so that we can be open and honest about those very things. Um, and to know that I have team members who have my back so yeah. that let's just say I do mess up. Let's just say that foil in the back does look like a railroad track and it's wonky AF. Great. <laughs> great. It's not about um, feeling shame about it because my whole thing, if I, I'm a gravestone, if I had, there's a little less shame in this world because Stephanie existed, that would be my perfect tagline of my life because um, shame eats away at our core, right? It re really does. It eats away at our core. And so if we can, instead of shaming ourselves, which usually is what happens first, mm -hmm. um, but instead, and yeah, instead, if we can, if we can stop shaming ourselves and others, and then we can start really educating ourselves and others and being there for each other and, and coming up with solutions. So that's the um, essence of what psychologically safe service is all about when it comes to the team aspect is how do we elevate each other? Yeah. How do we yeah. elevate each other? Again, reduce the fear. So take the word safety out of it. Like, you know, cause I think it is, I, I have a little bit of butter of what is it? Um, suck it up buttercup too. Uh, just in, in terms of um, when I feel like maybe people are being too sensitive or whatever like that. But when you really look back on it, it's like, why are they too sensitive? Like, let's get curious about that. What's happening there? Like, you know, where it usually boils down to two things. I don't feel loved or I feel like I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if we can help people to know that they are enough and that they are loved and that there are solutions to all of this. I mean, I don't know about you, Crystal, but I didn't come out of the womb knowing how to cut color and, and style hair. You know, right. so we'll learn how one day. And um, I mean, I've been in the industry for 20 years and I, she's maybe last week behind the chair, I had a foil that bled, you know, like yeah. this happens. And so mm -hmm. if we can get more solution oriented, then we keep people in their higher cognitive spaces and in, right, right. I see the pointing of the finger there, you get it. So we can keep them in higher cognition so that they are able to look for solutions themselves. They're able to then perform better and they are able to just feel better at work. And, and, and I think that that's possible. Like, I mean, it, I really do. I really think that we can create, again, go back to that trigger word, safe spaces, but I really do believe that we can create spaces in which um, people feel good enough to show up and take risks and, and own their mistakes and know that it doesn't define them. Yes, exactly. Like hallelujah. Right. Yeah. And I, I tend to be very transparent even with my clients like this. And, um, so like if a foil bleeds, Hey, you know what? Um, something wonky happened with this foil on the back of your head. Can I show you really quick? And like, is this, it'll take me 20 minutes to fix it. If you'd like me to fix it, I'm here. Does it bother you? If not, 
I just want to be honest with you. And most of the time my clients will be like, I don't see it, you know, but the times I don't draw attention to it and I don't own what I think is a mistake or a behavior. Those are the things that like eat me up inside and I stay awake at night. Like, shit, why didn't I say something now? If I say something, is it weird? You know? Oh yeah. All of this just, um, hits home. I want to say to you, it becomes like the skeleton in the closet, right? And that fear of, I know I've been there, where it's like the skeleton in the closet that we don't address. And then all of a sudden it's like, what if they go to somebody else? Oh my goodness. What if they saw that there was a bleed mark in there? I mean, the client might not see, but what if somebody else sees it? What if they don't go to me the next time? Oh my goodness. Well, my name is forever smudged by this skeleton. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, open and honest communication um, Mm -hmm. is definitely the key to your point, to the client as well. Because in the end, it just, uh, Brene Brown, I don't know if you follow her, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a lot of people, she's really big right now and and I love her messages. Um, but she shares that if shame, if you if you were to um, put it in a Petri dish and you were to shut it off of light, then it'll grow. But if you, if you put it out in the open, then it disappears, right? Shame cannot live in transparency. To a point, as she says it better than that, because there's, you know, of course, other people can have you feel shame. But right. if you share it in safe spaces, that's the key. If the person you share you share your shame with is safe to share it with, then you no longer have the shame. It's like it's like you've you've transformed it now. It now doesn't have any the power over you the same. Yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say there's a phrase I keep seeing people talk about on the internet everywhere right now with hairstylists is like bless and release. Right. It's like you bless it and you release it and then it's gone. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, this is all so fascinating. Um, I'm so glad that you talked to me today about this stuff because I feel like I like I was kind of uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? It's not like I was like judgy about it, but like kind of, you know what I mean? And so now it's really interesting to me to see that like I feel the same things. Maybe there's like a I haven't had education on it and it's like an intuitive aspect of it. Somehow I've like figured this out and I don't know what I figured out. Uh, and it's interesting to see someone put it into words and have me be like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And it could be formulaic and easy for people. Um, it's truly fascinating. Um, I'm trying to think. I had some other questions. I'm going to um, look real quick. I want to make sure I don't forget to ask you everything I wanted to ask you here. Um, oh, yeah. So you're so you're releasing something soon um, or you have something or you're, you have a coaching program now. Tell me, I guess, more what um what you do with your stuff now and then what you see it growing into. Um, so I have a coaching, like the word coaching to your point, you said, I know. Oh, yeah. coaching triggering to me too. I'm like, Oh my <laughs> goodness. What? Like, I just, it was a name that some people resonated with. So I, I put it in my title, but to be real with you, I just like, I just like helping to guide people to what they already know. Cause like you said, you said yourself, you just didn't have the language for it, but you knew this. Yeah. You, and so does it, that's why it resonates. That's what the word resonating means. It means that there's a chord within you that's struck. Well, if the chord wasn't within you, it wouldn't resonate. And so, right. It, it's knowledge that you have. It's knowledge that we all have. I just like sharing the, the knowledge that, um, 
you know, I've, I've found a way to tap into a lot of knowledge within myself because I've had great mentors and it's, but it's the knowledge that's within everybody. And so whatever avenue I can do that, I try to do it as often as possible. And so, yes, I have group coaching programs that I launch once in a while. I have another one starting by the time this airs, it'll already started. The doors are closed today on it, but you know, you can keep your eye out if you want to follow me, whoever's listening. Um, that I, I open the doors up to that, but I have a couple programs I teach because facilitation is my favorite. I oh. mean, I, I do energetics. I have my throat chakra. When I'm talking and speaking and sharing my throat chakras open, I'm my best self. I came out of the womb talking, I will uh-huh. say, <laughs> um, but I just try to use it for good. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? uh-huh. Uh, it can be used either way. It's like yes. <laughs> double-edged sword. Um, but yeah, so I I facilitate a program for uh, mostly for beauty professionals as well. Um, protect your energy. And so I'll randomly do that. Uh, I'll do it sometime this year as well. I haven't planned it yet in my calendar, but I can also come into salons and teach that there or through Zoom or whatever. And that's a half-day program where I share with them how to energetically, how to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that they do have that with their guests. Um, and then I also create lots of well-being programs and stuff, but my one-on-one coaching, which I don't do as much of, um, I love it, but I love sharing with groups of people anyways, but one-on-one programs, I'm a very intuitive person. So my coaching, I have a lot of modalities I use. So it's basically, um, everybody who I've ever coached one-on-one has just felt energetically drawn to me. And I love that process. Mm-hmm. And then we go from there and I, um, I'm pretty intuitive to see, and, and I'm pretty good at getting down to where is the core issue here. And, and let's, let's look to see what we can do to change that story. Right. And I have to imagine that's mostly effective with one-on-one stuff. Cause like just in the little bit that I've chatted with you, I feel like I've even had some clarity and we, we're not even really talking about me, but just hearing you talk, I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, I see where I need to work on this or I need to do that. Um, yeah. when you get people into like group coaching, do you have them like share stories with each other or is it more like they're just listening to you in a small group? Both. Okay. So I, I never force anyone to share. It is a um, hybrid of a course and coaching. I call it safe seat coaching um, because a lot of people call it like hot seat coaching. We've heard that before where people will sit in the seat. Um, and I am uh, about safe seat coaching because what I do know is that when people feel afraid when they or nervous when they sit in the chair, proverbial chair, um, it's they they aren't bringing forth their highest self. And I'm only going to talk to your highest self, Crystal. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. I only want to talk to the highest version of you. So I will sit with you until she shows up or he or they. That's it. Like, that's all I'm here to do. They're, they're already present. Um, my role, my only thing is to guide that, that part of you to come forward. And so, yeah, that piece and what people share is what they feel like sharing in the moment. And so again, my pieces too, is sometimes when people get into coaching or they even do my programs, I call it like a share hangover. Right. It's like, it's like in the moment we feel so safe to share, right. Just like if we'd had a few drinks or, and you, you know, you start, you start saying things that feel good in the moment. And then the next day you're like, oh, should I have shared that? Right. So, um, right. So I do my best to coach people through as well that the sharing hangovers like to trust themselves that that is what needed to happen. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is what needed to happen. There was a val- validity in it in sharing your story. Cause I truly believe 
Um, stories connect us. And each time I share my story, each time you share your story, as you do on Crystal, and you're so good at sharing your experience and you're so, so good at showing up online. Each time we do that, we connect with and give permission to the next person to do that. Right. And so it's really important that we open the closet door to all those skeletons and mm-hmm. see them for what they are, which is um, they're not real and there's nothing wrong with us and um, and to really own our truths and own who we are. Mm-hmm. Whether somebody else likes it or not, that's okay. That's usually more about them than it is about us. And that's yeah. okay too. Right. Yeah. No, I've uh, I've always appreciated when I find someone online, especially that seems to be like truly authentic and vulnerable in how they're presenting themselves. And they usually end up getting the most flack, right? Um, what's the saying in the industry? It's like, you know, you're doing it right when you start pissing people off, right? Yeah. It's like when you get the haters is like, oh, you're you're hitting the right chords then, right? Because you're making people feel things about themselves. And yeah, there's a lot of, of it, truth to that. Some of it positive, some of it not. Um, that's cool. Now I'm sitting here thinking, oh, I need to, I need to jump on your wait list for your next group. <laughs> you are more than welcome. You are more yeah. than welcome. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the DM. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, I think one last question I had for you was um, your email uh, that yes. you sent to me is Wave Society. So do I? Do you have another pot that you're stirring also? <laughs> So Wave Society is is simply a name, okay. um, and that story uh, very quickly is it's a little woo actually. So basically, what happened was when I was working in a salon environment, uh, we moved salons, and in the move, the energy changed, and it just it, it changed all of the ways in which I could do a service, and so I had less privacy, and therefore changed conversations. Okay. With- everything. Gotcha. And so I knew I couldn't stay there because I couldn't provide the right service, but I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to go back to a uh, large salon environment like I'd been in before. And, and so I had to, I had to think about this thing, but at the time I have a client who happens to be a psychic medium and she, yeah. And she said to me, she said, Stephanie, you need to pay attention to your dreams because there's a traveler who's trying to tell you something. Now I will say crystal, I was like, okay, Okay. At this time I was, I got I was goosebumps really- just now, just so you know. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. That means it's resonating. That's my sign of resonation, res- resonating anyway. Um, so she doesn't even remember having this conversation. Cause if you talk to anybody who identifies as a medium and a psychic, a lot of times when they channel uh, messages, they don't remember them. She still, she has no idea. She's like, Stephanie, I don't even remember saying the word traveler anyways. Um, but that night I had a dream. And that dream was that there were Redkin artists who moved into my city who opened up a salon called Wave, a curly hair salon. And I was so jealous. And when I woke up, it was like visceral. And when I woke up, I was like, it hit me in the face. I was like, it's time. But I didn't want to open a salon. And therefore, to make a long story short, um, I went searching for a suite, but, but when I had searched before, cause I'd done a little feeling there were no suites available. We don't have that many in Newfoundland, small population. There's a lot more now, but at the time there was literally two buildings that offered salon suites and they were always full. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, as the universe would have it, there was a suite becoming available in two weeks time. 
And so I had to have a name and I searched all the names and I kept coming back because I wasn't stuck on wave, but I kept coming back to wave because, because I was a curly hair artist, that that's, that that's what I do. It's what I've been known for, especially in the city. Um, wave satisfied that, but it also, I knew I was going to venture into coaching eventually and wave signifies in mindfulness, we say ride the wave. And it also signifies the ripple effect, right? When you drop a pebble mm-hmm. and the effect of the waves and the impact that it serves. And so, and it also signifies how brain waves work and heart waves work and patterns. And mm-hmm. so it just resonated with me on so many levels that I called my business wave wave society CA uh, simply because society, I had to add that because girl wave.ca wave.com wave.org. Dave was it's, all taken. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get creative. <laughs> oh man. That's cool. Yeah. My, my initial thought was just that it had to do with curly hair, right? Like wave society, like on the surface level, I'm like, Oh, it's just curly hair. So I thought you were going to say you had some sort of like curly hair education platform or something that you started with, but that's even cooler. <laughs> I love the woo woo aspect of it. It's awesome. <laughs> oh man. I almost feel like um, like I like psychologically safe stuff. It like rolls off your tongue really nicely, but like wave society, like, it, like I said, it gave me goosebumps when you said that. And I'm like, Oh, I want to see more of that. Like that, that to me kind of paints a really interesting picture in my head of like a very synergistic, you know, cool business or like a uh, position in the world. That's neat. Yeah. Well, that's how I feel like all of us beauty professionals are. We don't even recognize the ripple effect that we have when we own ourselves and our confidence. I mean, um, barbering specifically is one of the oldest professions and it used to be one of the highest respected positions. Really? Peters in their, yeah, in society. Well, they also used to be dentists too. Uh, They used to pull teeth. So, but yeah, it it was a very respected industry and every, if you, if you look and you talk to a hairstyle or yeah, if you talk to a hairstylist or a esthetician, you just, you hear, we know so much because we take on all these experiences, we hear all these experiences from people, you know, and also when your hairstylist, like I've had so many guests say um, that when I recommend a restaurant, they're like eager to go because- Mm -hmm. We're the trendsetters. We are the knowledgeable ones. We're cool. We're whatever you want to say, but it's no, we cannot deny the impact that we have. Um, And I know we can't get it in Canada right now, but uh, Elizabeth Fay just launched um, the, there's a documentary about the impact that hairstyles have. And I'm, I'm forgetting the name now. Uh, yeah, yeah. So she has hair love retreats, but she just did, uh, she's, and she's about to do a Ted talk too, um, about it. So she is how hairstyles change the world, I think is what it's called. Um, and, and I just think it speaks to the impact that we have. So again, that's why, um, the ripple effect and wave society is, is so near and dear to me. I'm writing how hairstylists change the world down right now. I'm going to look this up. So, okay. That's funny that you said that, uh, back in the day they were dentists also. Yeah. That was what I was going to do. Um, from like fourth grade on, that was my calling. I wanted uh, teeth were like fascinating to me. I loved everything about it. I worked in a dentist office doing everything possible besides touching the patients, um, for like nine years. And in the meantime, 
I ended up kind of like tripping into beauty school because um, someone encouraged me to. They're like, oh, you have a natural knack for this. And so my my thought was, well, that's more fun than working in a restaurant while going through dental school. So sure, why not? It's a 10-month it's a diversion. Why not? And um, like two years into my trajectory in my career where I'm like taking all these prereq classes for um, dental school and I'm working in a dentist office and I'm working in a hair salon in the nights, basically, um, I had a day that like completely changed my life. And so it's funny, I, I've told this story before in my podcast, so I apologize to any of my listeners that have listened to this, but I think it's worth telling right now. Um, so I spent the whole morning at the dentist office. Mind you, I worked for a great dentist. Like some of them are shitty, but these these guys were like family owned, so kind. The dentist was so gentle. They were affordable, kind of like the best you can get, right? And even still, every person that walked in the door had the same feeling. Everyone kind of gave a big sigh and they're like, I've been dreading this all week. I don't want to be here. Right. Even they're all like, welcome, come in. And the patient's just like, Bleh. and then I go to the hair salon in the evening and I walk in and I have someone that had called in that day. I worked in a, a mall, a hair salon in a mall. Right. And I was like the peon. So I got like anyone that called in. I was like in the newbie. Um, not recommended. It was just like, who has an opening? Okay. So this woman sits in my chair. I don't know her. And she takes this big sigh of relief. She goes, oh, I've been looking forward to this all day. And I looked at her and I was just like, what? what? <laughs> and I, I was like, I don't know this woman, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I think you just changed my life. And she's like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think I can be a dentist. <laughs> And she's like, what? <laughs> and I try to like backtrack and like fill her in real quick, but I'm not making any sense because in that moment, my head's like spinning. And I'm like, I don't think I can work in a career where like I could be the best of the best and people are like, Bleh, and they don't want to see me. I think that that like hurts my heart. Whereas like this woman who doesn't even know if I can cut a straight line feels good and I'm going to make her feel good. And so I'm like, I, I can't. I can't do this. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, thank God I already have something that I like. And so I stuck with it. I kind of bumbled around for a few years trying to make sense of the classes I'd taken, thinking maybe I could turn it into something else, like a personal trainer or all this other stuff. And I just kept coming back to hair because it was like, for me, instant gratification. You know what I mean? Like you finish a service and you get that feeling of like, yay, I did good. And they like me and they feel good. And I just was like addicted to that. But yeah, it just, it blew my mind. It was crazy. I love that story. Thank you for sharing it with yeah. me. Best story ever. May, can I share that in my programs? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A story. I yeah. love it. And it was like, I just stumbled upon it, you know? And I, I wish I knew who that woman was looking back. Like she never came back to see me. She probably thought I was nuts, you know? Like she had a good haircut and left, but she was like, this chick's crazy. But I like want to write her a thank you letter and just be like, you have no idea how you shaped my future. And like, thank you so much just for that moment of clarity for her to just be like, oh, I'm so thankful I'm here, you know? Your, thank, your gratitude is sent out to the universe regardless in you mm. loving and being lit up by what you do. Oh. So yeah, that that's the return. I have a friend, um, I'm surrounded by psychic medium friends, I swear to you. So another <laughs> one of my psychic medium friends, she said to me, because 
she also does human design. And so she was sitting with me. We, we were having a Zoom coffee chat, kind of similar to what me and you were doing, maybe like a little less formal, of course, because not a set up Zoom appointment. But, you know, we were just chatting and and uh, and she was sharing so much stuff with me about my human design, but it felt and and mediumship stuff, but it felt like a, it didn't feel like an even exchange to me. And I'm one of these people that I always feel like it has to be an even exchange. Like I must give back. That's part of my setting that I am um, right now working on um, letting go of. Right. Cause she said to me, she said, Stephanie, you are doing beautiful things for people all the time. Let somebody do something beautiful for you. This nature of the world is cyclical. It's not about you. And so when beautiful energy flows in, then you flow it out in another way. It doesn't have to be direct. And I was like, oh, oh wow. <laughs> so when we can do beautiful things like we do as a living, we make people feel beautiful every day, day in, day out. The fact that some of us are uncomfortable with accepting tips or accept, or charging more or anything like that, if we, we were to think of it more of the fact of beautiful energy, of the because we're putting so much beauty out there that we deserve that much beauty back, um, it's just another way to think about it. Yeah. No, I love that. Oh, so good. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. This was so great. Um, like truly, truly enjoyed this conversation. Um, and I feel like we covered everything I want to cover. <laughs> Unless you had anything else that you wanted to add or um, so for anyone listening, you are uh, psychologically safe Steph on Instagram. And then and now as, TikTok. And I am look, I, oh, I'm girl. looking for I know, I know. I just got on the TikTok train, so I'm really slow to the process. I was very resistant, but I was told by too many people, and I feel like the universe was speaking through them. So I would love more followers on there so I can start going live because I was told when you can go live, TikTok pushes it out to more people than Instagram does. And when I put my ego aside, my whole thing, like I said to you, is to share these messages with as many people as possible because that's how I'm putting good out into the world. And so... Uh, apparently I need to do it through TikTok. <laughs> so. I know I'm, I'm with you. I'm like late to the train on that one. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, just another thing. Well, and now there's YouTube shorts too. Have you looked into that? Yes. I'm looking into it currently. Yeah. I, I have a YouTube channel, but it has three visit three videos. That's it. So that's that me was- too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At some point I'll get more organized with that stuff. But, um, and then do you have a current wait list for your next group coaching program or like how, how do you do that? Right now, the best thing to do is DM me with interest. So I'm, I'm a solopreneur where I am, um, still at the point now where I can manage the incoming messages right now. It's still manageable for me. Um, so please do that. And then we'll, we'll see where it goes. If it ever gets to the point where it's not manageable, I'll make sure that people know where to go. My next group coaching program is not scheduled because I am going on tour with psychologically safe uh, service right now, um, via zoom. And, um, I've got, uh, there's a lot of big things happening with that. So Fun. yeah. So hopefully. So are you like traveling to salons, um, on your traveling tour? To salon? Yeah. Or, or through zoom. Okay. So I can, I can do both. I will say I prefer in person just because of the contact, but, um, the thing I was talking about at the beginning, I'm, I'm also creating an online program so people can take it bite-sized pieces at a time. Mm-hmm. So, um, that has been, incredibly rewarding and making me fall in love with the material so much more as I'm 
uh, as I'm creating, I'm like, oh, and this needs to be another video. And oh my God, and this. So I apologize if anybody purchases that. I apologize and you're welcome because it'll be a wealth <laughs> of information. Um, uh, but it's gonna, it, like I, I tr I'm trying not to make it like a university degree, but there's just so many beautiful aspects that I'm at that, that are able to be added to it that are uh -huh. just like flowing through me from outside sources and ideas. And it's just all very kismet and meant to be. So that'll be available to those who maybe um, the time resources of closing a salon for two days is too much, or maybe financially it's, it's um, not, for them right now to invest in me to to come or invest in me to spend um a two days with them because it is an it's an investment it's it's worth it yeah. um just to add to that world health organization actually states that it's on the website anybody who invests uh, any dollar that gets invested in psychological safety you get four in return so it, wow. it yeah Mm -hmm. It's on the World Health Organization it's incredible so you know it is an investment and it's one that will give return but takes effort and, and time to get that return back. So psychologically safe service, the online program will be uh, more affordable and more available to people. Okay. So I'm very excited for that. So keep a lookout. I'm really hoping to have that done in 2023. I would love to have it done in the first half of 2023. Maybe some version of it will be crystal. We'll yeah. See. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for you. That's a lot of work. I know putting, putting stuff together we, a lot of what we convey is like in the moment and conversation and like we talk with our hands and our faces and our bodies touching people. And so trying to put that into something just digital, you know, that you could just give to someone without holding their hand at all is kind of difficult. It takes a lot. <laughs> so I, I completely understand. Uh, well, I will be looking forward to seeing what you do in the next year and um, can't wait to follow you some more on, on Instagram, and especially now that I really like truly understand what you're doing too. It's great. Um, so thank you once again. Um, this was super lovely and I can't wait to get this all polished up and sent out. Thank you. I super awesome. appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to share and, and just your, your beautiful questions. So oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just curious. That's all it is. Right. I'm like, I, for every like three people that I ask to come on the podcast, I usually get like one response that's yes. And it's just, I'm genuinely curious and asking people I'm like, I want to know more. So, um, it's always kind of enlightening to hear what people are doing and their perspectives on things. So thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, great. Well, we're going to go ahead and sign off now. I hope you have a wonderful evening. Your evening now, right? Yeah, afternoon, Ooh, late evening. Afternoon. Yeah. Late afternoon. I'm going to go have another cup of coffee because it's morning for me. And um, we'll see you online. I'll see you online. Thank you okay. so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, there you have it, my friend. That was my conversation with Psychologically Safe Steph. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I've got some exciting stuff coming down the pipeline for next week's podcast. I can't wait to see you there. Until then, I hope you have a fantastic hair day. And I'll see you next time. Okay, bye. Hey friend, Crystal here, and I've got something special for you that's too good to miss. Introducing the wildly popular Confident Conversations Bootcamp, where we unlock the three secret stylist skills that attract clients who pay. In just three classes, we'll transform how you communicate, connect, and turn every conversation in the salon into a formula for high-paying clients. It's not magic, it's mastery of words, presence, and the kind of confidence that turns heads. So why sign up? 
Because mastering these skills means more than just full books. It's about crafting a career that's as rewarding financially as it is creatively. We're talking quality clients who value your expertise and are happy to pay you for it. And the best part, it's completely free. You heard right. It's my gift to you, friend. So if you're ready to elevate your behind the chair game and attract the clientele you've always dreamed of, this bootcamp is your first step. Spaces are limited, and trust me, friend, you don't want to miss out on this transformation. So head on over to www.yourhairmentor.com to secure your spot today. Let's make sure that your talent is undeniable and your chair the hottest ticket in town. Cheers to clients who pay and a career that slays. I cannot wait to see you at the Confident Conversations Bootcamp, my friend.